calls back on the um, uh, sponsor list here. And uh, all you have to do is go to their website uh, for Facebook. Uh, just, uh, you know, type in River Falls. And then you go to what they call posts on their webs- on their um, Facebook page. And when you go to posts, you'll see some of the nice things that they have uh, that you can order. And uh, Dick Bouchard uh, sent me um, an email saying he um, took out from River Falls last night, had had scallops. And scallops are always good, right? And River Falls um, has them. And they have a lot of other nice things. You can check again that menu and uh, see what uh, what they do have. And, um, yeah, they, they will have um, Ma Glockner's famous birch chicken pre-order only for twelve ninety nine for this Sunday. So if you like um, that kind of chicken, you can get it from uh, River Falls. So, but the point is that River Falls, which had been closed for four or five weeks, is now reopening for takeout only, of course. That's all they can do for the time being. And they're open Tuesday through Sunday. And so glad to um, see them uh, reopening the takeout portion of their menu. River Falls, and they're at Market Square here in Woonsocket. One more ad, and and uh, I believe the mayor's online, Mr. Jeff? Is yes, that, sir. Uh, is that so? Okay. That is so. Okay. So let's um, take our ad, and then we'll uh, chat with Mayor Lisa baldelli Hunton. Get her take on a few of the things going on in the community. All right. We'll check in with um, Belos next. Belos is open at 655 Diamond Hill Road for all your fresh produce with fruits and vegetables and pellets, too. Face mask and bandanas also available. Even toilet paper in stock. Of course, we have vegetable plants and flowers for outside planting. Open seven days, Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, Saturdays 9 to 4, Sundays 10 to 2. Local delivery is available, so call ahead, 766-3165. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the panel. I'm Roger. Uh, Jeff is uh, part of the panel uh, today. And we're going to press uh, the button and uh, talk to Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt via telephone. And good morning, Mayor. How are you doing uh, during the uh, situation, as they call it? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, everyone. I am fine. I'm fine. Um, it's nice to know that you're fine also, and hopefully the supermajority of our residents are feeling healthy. Well, maybe we could begin with, um, do you have any numbers of um, residents who are not feeling uh, healthy? Every day, the uh, governor has her statewide figure, and I've been tracking Woonsocket in terms of its uh, ranking in the state. And um, we're in the top ten, but we're far from uh, the top. We're um, we're number nine as of yesterday. We were number eight the day before. We were number number nine the day before that um, with our report of cases. Um, And I think that a lot of people, considering this is an urban setting and also a a setting where there is a a lot of poverty, uh, that I think we have a pretty good um, hold on things. I was wondering if you have any numbers and, and your assessment of how we're holding our own. Well, certainly. So at this point in time, uh, well, as of yesterday at noontime, there were 161 uh, positive cases uh, reported for the city of Woonsocket. 
considering we're a population of about 41,000 people, uh, you would maybe think that that is a bit of a low number, and it actually may be low, but it may be low due to the fact that a lot of the residents of Woonsocket may not have been tested. And this is what we've been uh, learning and hearing consistently over the last six or seven weeks. Uh, the more people who get tested, uh, clearly the more uh, positive cases we will learn of, and of course, you know, a significant amount of negative cases also. But those positive cases uh, could potential the positive cases in one socket could potentially uh, grow significantly over the next couple of weeks, uh, the more testing that's done. So that's something that we're working on now, uh, because as you mentioned, uh, there are uh, communities that may not have uh, moved in, I don't want to say the communities, but the residents may not have had the ability to get tested, or maybe they don't have a primary care physician, so they're not getting the proper documentation that they need to go to get tested. Uh, so it's important that we uh, continue to move forward and try to get the message out that anyone who has any symptoms um, truly needs to get to a site to be tested. And we are actually working with the state of Rhode Island now, um, the public safety officials here in Woonsocket, uh, in coming up with um, uh, putting something in place uh, to be able to offer more testing for Woonsocket residents. I don't know if you're um, sitting down every day for an hour and so and watching the governor and the uh, health director uh, give the updates. I don't know if you, you do that or get your information some other way, but I do. And uh, so I have concluded after watching every news conference, I haven't missed one, uh, that the two uh, pockets of concern are nursing homes and a Latino population. So let's take nursing homes first. Here in Woonsocket, um, our trouble spot is Oakland Grove. And um, I, um, I got some information from um, Channel 12 uh, reporter. And uh, he sent me um, um, some information, Lee Sherman, from Channel 12. And he says that uh, there were uh, 40 Oakland Grove patients... Uh, with the virus and 15 employees with the virus and they have had a number of deaths there. The figure that he sent to me was nine. And then the only other Woonsocket Health uh, uh, nursing facility is Woonsocket Health Center on Poplar Street with 20 patients um, getting the virus, 10 staff and zero fatalities. Um, so first of all, let's take nursing homes. Um, are those figures lined up with what you've read? So as far as nursing homes are concerned, you're absolutely right. Um, that is a, an, an area of great concern, and the population, generally the population within a nursing home, they're, they're fragile individuals or they're struggling. They have, um, you know, they have underlying conditions that complicate things, and it is extremely important to uh, determine which residents um, are positive and which residents have tested negative in order to create some divide between those residents. Uh, I, I ha uh, Chief Shatra and I are reaching out to the nursing homes. Actually, I believe the chief is reaching out to two of them today. Uh, I have a standing uh, call each morning at 10 a.m. with one of the nursing homes, uh, a, a, another nursing home. Uh, we communicate also 
pertaining to their PPE, the amount of uh, residents that have tested positive, where they are. So Chief and I are now splitting the nursing homes up uh, between us. So um, the as far as um, the numbers that you just indicated, the I don't know which nursing home you were referring to uh, when you indicated those numbers, but they are Oakland Grove and Woonsocket Health and Rehabilitation Center. Right. So I have a standing call each day at 10 o'clock with um, Oakland Grove. So we're working extremely uh, closely with them, as we do with Landmark Medical Center. So there is a strong collaboration between the city of Woonsocket and uh, Landmark. Uh, we're in communication with them daily, um, actually multiple times a day. So uh, in, in addition, uh, any resident who, who may call who may need assistance and also with the nursing homes. So basically COVID-19 has, has taken over um, our day-to-day -day operations here. Now the Latino population. So what has happened um, once the... Department of Health um, Director Dr. Scott uh, identified the 45 to 47 percent of those getting affected um, with the virus to be part of the Latino population. They, they identified a neighborhood in Providence um, in back of Rhode Island Hospital. And, uh, and as of yesterday, they started their first day of letting people in the neighborhood walk to, uh, and that neighborhood is uh, uh, mostly Latino population, walk to the center and get a free, uh, free test. And uh, so they're bringing the testing to the neighborhood. Now, uh, we have um, a Latino population here. Thundermist is well connected uh, to them. There's no question about that, and and so and they do have a respiratory center here. But are we um, going to have uh, maybe an easier way for our minority population, whether they're Latino or some other minority, to um, get a test? Right. So currently, we are working with the state uh, Department of Health and also with Thundermist. Uh, in bringing more testing to the city. Um, you may have noticed, uh, as I think was mentioned before, uh, some of the tents that are set up in the Thundermist parking lot. Uh, they were on the conference call with us uh, on uh, two days ago, actually, and we are putting in place a process to bring more testing to the city of Woonsocket. So at this point in time, if you call your primary care physician and you do receive the proper paperwork to be tested, you can go to the Thundermist site. As far as the Latino population, you're absolutely right. We have a strong population of Latinos, and it is important for us to test anyone uh, who is having symptoms. But we are, we are working, and we're working rather rapidly um, to get this set up. It, it's not just a matter of putting a tent up in a parking lot and throwing a few cones out there and grabbing a couple of tables and chairs. It looks like it's sparse when it comes to the equipment, but it's the logistics of it and the actual testing of it um, that needs to be put in place. So we may have, um, we may have National Guard here uh, who, and the National Guard, they're, they're, they're folks who they specialize in this area. They specialize in biohazard and in pandemics and things such as that. So uh, Chief Shatra, the public safety officials on both sides, police and fire, Director Gillette, 
um, uh, Director Walsh, National Guard, State of Rhode Island, Thundermist. Right now we are all working to put the pieces in place to try to move forward a testing site that can test more individuals on a daily basis, including the Latino population that the state has great concern over. Uh, at the risk of uh, sounding redundant, I'm going to repeat this because what I did is I got an email from somebody and I responded to them in the following way. They said, um, I do not have transportation. Is there any way for me to get a test in one socket? I responded by saying, yes, you can get a test in one socket if you call your primary care physician and uh, the primary care physician uh, refers you, and you don't have transportation, so you can't go to uh, Twin River. The primary care uh, physician will refer you to Thunder Mist here in Woonsocket, where you can actually, uh, in your neighborhood, walk there and get the test. And I, I think that's pretty much what, what you said if you don't have transportation to go to Twin River. Yes. Okay, thank you. Mayor, the next topic is public safety employees' wellness. Uh, when we spoke last time, um, we were reporting that um, uh, w none of the uh, members of the police department have been um, infected so far and, and very little activity uh, in terms of infection in the, in the uh, fire department. And I was wondering if you could give us an overview not only of those agencies, but maybe um, city employees in general. Certainly. So as far as on the public safety side, there are no uh, police officers uh, who, who are positive, and we have one firefighter who is positive. Uh, currently in City Hall, we have zero employees who are positive. How is City Hall operating uh, these days? Uh, do you have um, uh, most people... Uh, not uh, in City Hall, or or do you, uh, well, maybe you can go around the building and, and tell us uh, the kinds of people that are in the building. Sure. So, first of all, as I know you're aware, but I'll just take it right from, from the beginning, yes. uh, which is that City Hall is closed to the public, although we do have a drop box that is, it's a rather large box that is locked and it is between the doors of the assessor's office. So if there is someone who needs to drop off paperwork uh, pertaining to a, a title transfer for the clerk's office or someone's looking to drop off a payment for their water bill or taxes or sewer or, what, or motor vehicle, whatever it may be, um, they can drop in that lockbox, um, no cash, obviously, and that is checked throughout the day. Uh, of course, the better recommendation or it would be to place it in the mail and we will receive the payment and process it. So what is in place now is that every employee who is working has been screened uh, by public safety and the proper questions have been asked pertaining to their health. Um, and uh, upon entering work, I, I think we're probably one of the only communities, if not, maybe there may be a couple others, uh, that we have placed a hand-washing station, uh, which is extremely important. We've been hearing all along, wash your hands to the point where, you know, they're so cracked that they're, they're, they're aching. Um, but wash, they use the hand-washing station in the morning. They come into the building. Um, their temperature is taken. 
and if they don't have a temperature, then they proceed to, um, to work. Uh, everyone has been given a mask to use. Uh, everyone is wearing a mask unless they are in an office where they, they're alone and they don't have other employees with them or if they are, you know, at a minimum six feet apart. Uh, we have even moved in a direction where, for the most part, across the board, every employee is remaining on the floor where they work. If there's anything that needs to be transferred between uh, offices on different floors, it is done through an inter-office transfer, and it is uh, just the, we have one custodian who is, uh, would be delivering the mail and doing the inter-office transfers. So this, uh, we've, we've grown to this level of, of you know, safety. So we, we know of communities who actually are still allowing the public in via appointment, but the safety and well-being of our employees uh, is, rises to the top, and we just feel at this point in time it is best to not have the public coming into the building. Some of the questions being asked of the governor every day, any furloughs of state employees? And then we um, had an answer of, about that from uh, Senator uh, Roger Pickard when he visited with us on Friday saying right now, uh, no. And as a matter of fact, uh, those employees of the state who did jobs that uh, don't long, any longer have a function, they've uh, volunteered to do other jobs so that they can keep working. Uh, do you have any furloughs in place in Woonsocket City Government? And uh, if uh, this continues on for a long period of time, would you be forced to do uh, consider some? So at this point in time, we do not have any furloughs. And I would just like to take a moment to truly thank the employees of the city of Woonsocket. Uh, we have the great majority that are working every day. And when people take a government job, the job that we hold, we serve the public. That is what our job is. Um, the, we work for the residents of the city of Woonsocket, and we understand that there may be a time like this where we're in a crisis like this and government needs to operate. And the employees in City Hall have been uh, very accommodating to the changes that need to take place. They understand that it's for their safety. Uh, if they have suggestions, we listen to their suggestions. Uh, a lot of, um, you know, additional precautions have been put in place. When you take a government job, you're not thinking really you're ever going to be in a position where you are an, in, in a, an essential employee. Uh, but government is essential, and the wheels of government need to continue to turn, and they need to stay well-greased, and that's what we're doing. If government shut down, uh, then we would really be in a serious crisis. So every department within City Hall and outside of City Hall uh, has really shown, you know, how committed they are to the residents of this city, and they continue to, to be flexible. Uh, you mentioned flexibility with the state. Uh, there are times that we're asking employees to do things they generally would not do under their current job description, and they're, they're, they're doing that. 
Mayor, uh, just a couple of uh, non-corona issues um, that uh, came up. We had James Canoyer, council member, with us uh, yesterday, and they came up uh, as emails uh, to him, and uh, I think they would probably be more appropriate for you. Number one is uh, that Mr. Luber's contract um, or agreement with the state and therefore the city ended uh, sometime in March. Is he still a part of the team at City Hall or is he packed his bags? No, he is still here. Uh, <laughs> are you happy about that? <laughs> we'll put it in actually, actually, Mr. Luber is a very bright man. Okay. And um, he brings a lot of intelligence to the table. So at this point in time, uh, he has been extremely resourceful. The uh, payment structure for him was uh, partly East Providence, partly the city of Woonsocket. Is that still the arrangement? Yes, yeah. and the state of Rhode Island. And the state of Rhode Island. Okay, Mr. Luber is still here. And do you know how long he's going to continue on? Uh, until on, Because uh, I guess you're going to face some interesting financial questions in the next few months with this um, situation going on. Correct. Well, he's, he's actually budgeted through June 30th. Uh, he has been an important resource for us uh, during this time. He, he is, he is, he's been very resourceful throughout um, the entire time that he's been here. He's extremely knowledgeable in a lot of areas of finance. And uh, fortunately, we've had him. You know, maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have been saying, um, hey, it's great to have Paul Luba here. But he, he is here, and um, he is budgeted through, the, through June 30th. And I think it's important uh, that we keep him here because we all recognize that, that every community is in a fragile position uh, financially uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And it is better to um, be safe than sorry, I guess you could say. Okay. And the other question left over from yesterday, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase it. I'll find it if I uh, have to. But it said something is, is there a new proposal or any kind of activity on the old middle school? Of course, we know the Pawtucket Central Falls developer fell away, and um, and so the building still sits there. Have you had any new activity? So that's interesting. almost seems like um, maybe we spoke before the show, but we didn't. Uh, so last, uh, last evening probably after 9 o'clock, I sent an email to the council president asking him what his uh, thoughts were pertaining to the middle school. Um, if I don't want to spend taxpayer money and put an RFP out, if the council does not have interest in entertaining um, offers through the RFP process. Uh, so that was a question that I actually posed to him last night. All right. So um, I think the question yesterday, I'm, I've been scram scrambling through my emails here, but I think it said something, um, have you issued an RFP on it uh, again? And the answer, I guess, is no, because you're asking him whether we should or not. Well, I'm asking him for his opinion. I don't want to put an RFP out and then have um, counselors say, if you would have asked us ahead of time, we would have told you that we don't want to entertain any offers and then... We also then put investors in a position where they spent time and energy responding to an RFP, and then the council does not have interest in entertaining the offers. So pretty much, this, 
unless somebody has another idea, there's one of two things that can happen to the building. Either develop the entire thing, develop a portion of it, or demolish it. So if, uh, if the council or the majority of the council is leaning in one direction, I think it's important for the administration to know that uh, so we are um, cautious in, in what we do. So that was why I, I sent it out to the council president. All right, I did find the email. Uh, is there another RFP for the old middle school? And if not, what is to be done with the massive building? So uh, you've addressed a little bit of that, unless you just want to give a, uh, a topping to uh, that uh, middle school discussion. I, I think basically that's it. Either go out to RFP and see uh, what investors, if anyone, responds and what uh, their thoughts are for the building. Uh, there may be an investor who only needs a portion of the building and they'd look to uh, raise part of it and keep part of it. Or if the council does not have interest in selling the property to anyone, uh, I don't think it's fair to the residents of that area to, t to keep that building vacant and standing. And, you know, maybe it was called Park Place for a reason. <laughs> Maybe it was. An emailer is asking, Mayor, can you go over the policy about taxes, water, and sewer payments uh, as of right now? And, and like, I guess the suggestion here is that uh, maybe they'd like a, a little breathing room. Okay. So we have the due date for the fourth quarter taxes is April 15th. But if folks are falling on difficult time financially, they have until June 1st to pay their fourth quarter tax without penalty. Okay. Okay. I think I got that. Water and sewer the same or? Um... So the situation with water and sewer is the water and sewer were due prior to the situation we're in. So that was um, February and March. So after April, I believe would be May. I'm sorry, I don't have the chart in front of me. So I will tell you this. The first thing is water, sewer, and, and taxes, they're always due on the 15th of the month. So years ago, um, water and sewer would always be some kind of a unknown and funky date, depending on when you got your water and sewer bill. Sometimes it would be the 19th, the 23rd, the 27th. And to keep consistency, not that you like to, to have something due every 15th of the month, but every 15th of the month, if you own a home, there is something that's due, whether it's water, sewer, or taxes. So, again, the, the May 15th bill, which I believe is the water bill, uh, would also have that same benefit of giving the rate payer until June 1st. An extra 15 days. For that one. But for the taxes, it would be an extra month and a half. Question here, uh, will the mayor be proposing to bring back position of grant writer in the planning department? I strongly believe this position is needed and can bring hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to the city if there is a full-time position dedicated looking for and aggressively seeking grants for public safety, blight reduction, infrastructure. The council seems to be supportive of this position in the past, and I'm hoping she will add it to her budget this year to help generate new revenue. Any thoughts on that uh, comment from the emailer? We have gone in both directions on that. A 
couple of years back, we had a full-time grant writer. Uh, it didn't work out as as well as we would have hoped. Uh, we moved into another uh, approach to grant writing, uh, where we we hire an individual to write the grant that we have interest in, and we have been pretty successful with that approach. Uh, we're working on the budget right now. Uh, finance is working on the budget. And very soon, as I do every year, and it would probably be this week, uh, an email will go out to the city councilors asking them if there's anything in particular that they're thinking of that they would uh, have interest in and would like to see within the budget. Um, that's what I do prior to the budget. And then after the budget is out, I also email the councilors asking them if any of them have questions about the budget, uh, any particular line item, or if there's anything that, um, you know, they have concern about. This way it helps to move the budget process along and not have to go uh, through a line by line and use two or three days to get through the budget before the council can pass it. So any, um, any interest in anything... They, they, you know, their their opinion is important. Um, so, as far as the grant writer is concerned, there has to be an appetite by at least four people, and we need to feel from the administrative side and the council side that it's beneficial to go to a full time position as opposed to the approach we're using now. May you mentioned the word budget, and while you're trying to. <laughs> wrap your arms around and keep the city safe from the COVID virus. Uh, we're just over a week away from the month of May, which I believe is typically when the city budget comes in, June, we get the, the state budget. Uh, so that process has to be, uh, I guess, in your, in your foresight on the horizon. Anything you can tell us about how that timing may work? Will the federal government money uh, that's coming into Rhode Island help push that uh, deadline back on the budgets, or is it too premature to, to pinpoint that? The funding from the state or the federal government is, there's some uncertainty that surrounds that. So the budget that we're working on now, uh, there are certain, certain revenue uh, we can look at, but other revenue we can't. I think it's important for the city to have a budget in place, and if the budget would need to be amended at a later date, uh, that's something that can be done, and we could go back to that uh, with the council and amend it. But at this point in time, we are moving forward with putting the budget in place for the city. I think it's important to have stability, and this is a frugal administration. Um, as you probably know, uh, we, from the onset, uh, we have looked at every contract that the city had with, with, you know, outside folks from the beginning, always telling them, shop in your pencil. Uh, we, we have not borrowed any general obligation funds in the past six years going into seven years. We have, you know, brought down the debt within the city by tens and tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. And... That's important to set the table for a very uh, financially sound community. The budgets that we have put forward, you know, maybe things have been moved, you know, 50000 here, 
you know, 10000 there. But in the grand scheme of thing, if you're, things, if you're looking at a $145 million budget, changing, you know, 5000 or 10000 or a couple of 100000 isn't going to have a significant impact. So we've been, and, and the same with the council, they're, they're very uh, mindful from a finance uh, obviously. Um, Jim Kunoyer sits on the city council. So Jim is a number cruncher and he does this all day long. And I always, you know, kind of razz him about his infamous yellow spreadsheet that he creates for every budget. And he generally has a difference of opinion as to uh, where some numbers should be. But ultimately, in the end, you don't have a council and an administration who are on opposite ends of the spectrum where one is looking to spend and one is looking to, to you know, be ultra-conservative uh, and frugal. So we recognize that you do need to bring quality of life to the residents of the city, but the days of borrowing money to do everything, it does not fit in to the approach that this administration takes. And we still don't know when the General Assembly is going to reconvene for any sort of action, um, I guess it must be very difficult waiting to see what the state outcome of any potential cuts in revenue that could come our way. Right. And unless something has changed from the time that I was in the General Assembly, and my, I don't know, I don't know that, well, let me back up for a second. I don't know if the House and the Senate will be in and be passing a budget in the next five weeks? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they don't even know the answer to that at this point in time. But I do recall, unless it has changed, that statutorily that the budget that's in place currently for the state of Rhode Island is the budget that would move forward beyond, you know, into the July 1st new fiscal year until the General Assembly would pass a new budget. So the numbers that we would be looking at are numbers that we used within fiscal year 20, um, and also taking into consideration that there are some cuts in there for municipal, well, at least this municipality, that um, certain our reps and senators are fighting to put back in, but we still need to be cautious in case we do lose that revenue. Uh, interesting point. I guess the experience that the General Assembly side uh, pays off even in the mayor's office. It certainly does. Uh, I received a call about 20 minutes ago off air from a uh, citizen in Woonsocket. Uh, I think we talked about this our last visit, but the question was, what's going to happen with the upcoming May 2nd uh, rabies clinic? It was a dog owner. As we know, the wildlife is out and about. And sometimes you're looking left, you can get a problem on the right with uh, rabies. Uh, any uh, any update on that? And I, I told the caller I would. Uh, I, the caller wasn't aware that I had been called off. That's correct, right? I am going to speak with uh, Director Gillette because the rabies clinic is falls under the Woonsocket Police Department, um, the animal. Uh, shelter, rabies clinic, um, employees, they all fall under WPD. So I don't want to give you any information that isn't accurate. So I'm going to make a note to speak with him and see what's happening with that. Overall, within the city, as far as uh, law enforcement and public safety is concerned, again, Mayor, it's a big topic right now. Uh, number one, 
how are our first responders, as far as the latest term we've come familiar with, PPEs are concerned? And uh, number two, the cooperation. I went into one store yesterday and I saw the city ordinance, the the sign said uh, city city ordinance that you had to have the masks and social distancing. Uh, The the uh, compliment of uh, stores or businesses or public places as far as uh, protection against the COVID and how are our first responders doing as far as PPEs are concerned? Well, we've heard repeatedly that PPE is at a shortage and I'd like to credit um, Chief Chatra, Director Gillette in their efforts uh, to, and, and Chief Walsh Uh, and in their efforts to secure as much PPE as they can to have enough of, and when I say stockpile, I don't mean hoarding. I mean having enough to be certain that our public safety officials have what they need uh, to to be safe. It's important that we're keeping them safe because they're coming in contact with folks that we're not coming in contact with. So what we're doing is, on a daily basis, we are all on the phones, making calls, speaking with manufacturers, uh, ordering PPE, going through uh, the web uh, EOC for for where we order. So we work with REMA on that also. They distribute what the state gets. Uh, the, the state receives PPE. They distribute out to the 39 cities and towns. But in conjunction with them doing that, we're also working with manufacturers. Uh, you know, we're working closely with Shein Printing for face shields. We're working with um, Max Brickle uh, for uh, gloves. We're, we're, we're working hand-in-hand with, with Landmark. Right now, it is like one big family that's doing whatever we need to do to make certain we get what we need to protect the healthcare workers and the public safety officials uh, with, within the city of Woonsocket. Mayor, you uh, signed into um, all the um, rules and regulations that are going on uh, right now. Um, in other words, are you, uh, some people uh, in some quarters say hey, this is a little bit too much uh, or this is not enough or you're comfortable with the um, the uh, executive orders that the governor has has put out, including uh, wearing face masks into business and so forth? Well, there are certain things that communities are doing that Woonsocket may not be doing. Like an example of that is our parks. We have not moved forward with an executive order to close our parks. Uh, we did close off, so to speak, the basketball courts because they were... Um, a bit too congested, and it's just too difficult to monitor um, that, you know, on a 24-hour basis, or at least, you know, 12 or 14. Um, So the basketball courts themselves, the the hoops have been blocked off. But other than that, our parks are open. Uh, We are following the guidelines uh, within uh, City Hall as to what the executive order is of the state. And we do have details that are out uh, who are going to um, the business community in making certain that the employees are following the rules of the executive order of the state of Rhode Island. Uh, certain stores have put in place uh, their, their requirement that anybody walking into the store must have a mask. Uh, 
and you know so there's there's a, a little bit of a um, difference between some establishments some establishments are suggesting that they come in with masks and others are requiring that they do but the executive order for the employees to be wearing the masks for the customers to be waiting six feet apart uh, we have been we have been very fortunate in the city of Woonsocket and people have really uh, conformed and are following that that law I got one of those emails if I were mayor coming up uh, in a second but this has to do with the litter uh, around the city and uh, I've noticed that even in the fashionable north end where I do uh, my uh, walking as often as I can during the good weather anyway and it's those nips and here is what the person said if I were the mayor I'd introduce a piece of legislation to charge a dollar deposit on nips sold in the city and use the dollar uh, to uh, pay for litter expenses. I don't know how practical that is, but um, it's a chance for you to talk about the litter issue. Okay. Last year we had this conversation with about NIPS on, on your radio program, and we spoke of the fact that another type of trash was the most popular piece of trash, but that had gone by the wayside, and the new popular piece of trash or litter are the NIP bottles. So when they do litter picking, uh, which we have a regular um, routine of that, there are still, believe it or not, a lot of cigarette butts, but nip bottles seem to be everywhere. And we had this conversation uh, before where, geez, maybe we should attach a 5%, a 5 cent, I'm sorry, the 5 cent deposit like they do on, on other bottles and cans. Uh, that is a legislative action that would uh, need to take place through the legislature, and I don't know uh, if that legislation would pass or not. There are some pretty uh, strong um, lobbyists across the country who would probably be opposed to something like that because if it passed in one state, it would probably pass in, in the rest of the states. So I agree that NIPs are an issue, and I just don't understand why you can't drink your nip and put the cover back on and put it in your pocket. And when you get home or get near a trash can, throw it in the trash can. My sense is they don't want to bring it home and they need to throw it out the window. I, when I have my nips, I put it right in my pocket after I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> it works. There's plenty of room. Anyway, thank you for being with us. Any uh, final comments? Sure. So I just want to uh, mention that... Um, today, just on a little bit of a happy note, thinking that one day we'll all be outside and walking and playing and uh, getting back to some normalcy. Uh, today there is a new piece of playground equipment that's being installed at Cass Park. It's a very large metal structure uh, with netting all around it. It's probably, I don't know, about 13 or 14 feet high, and it is being installed in the lower part of Cass Park. And it's just one of the um, playground equipment upgrades that we're making. Uh, in addition, I would like to give a shout out to all the workers who are working uh, down at the stadium parking lot. Uh, I would venture to guess, and I haven't seen much of Director D'Agostino. We've been on the phone, but we haven't seen a lot of each other face-to-face. -face. Uh, I would think that this is probably the biggest this has turned into the biggest project 
uh, that the in-house paving program has taken on. Just to put things in perspective, and I don't, I don't, I know you do that fact or fiction kind of thing in the morning. Yes. <laughs> um, um, can I give you one? We're ready. We're ready. Okay. I'm good, though, Mayor. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure how, how, how I'm supposed to word this, so I couldn't be one of these uh, celebrities on a game show, I guess. Well, we'll help you out. Fact, okay. fact or crap, the okay. game, give us the following statement, and we'll tell you whether we think it's true or whether you're bluffing us. All right. Let me try to trick you, okay? All right. The Monument Square parking lot is equal to... Almost an acre of land. Really? Uh, I'm going to fact that immediately. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. I want to fact that immediately. Well, it's narrow, but it does open up up top. And uh, I'll, I'll ride it right on that. I'll fact that one, man. Well, I think I messed up the question. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not as easy as it sounds, huh? No. It's an acre and a half. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I should have worded it differently. But... It's an, that is an acre and a half of land. The most notable difference, Mayor, is the grading. And uh, when I drove by the other day, I was amazed at how much height was able to be taken down at that yeah. location. A very difficult uphill uh, steep, especially for any shows in the wintertime. Right. And, and what, what has happened there is it, it, it took on a life of its own. And, you know, the director does everything he does, he does it. To completion, he doesn't cut corners. Not well. We'll do this, you know, now, and maybe ten years from now they'll finish the project. So once he got going on that, and once we saw that, you know, the topography needed to be brought down, he, you know, he wanted to make cer certain that happened. Or lighting need to be needed to be upgraded. Retaining walls needed to be placed. The ingress and egress needed to be adjusted. Um, bringing in vegetation, you know, bringing in all the underground utilities that we needed to bring in or, or upgrade. Uh, so it has turned into a significant project. But I have to tell you, when you drive in that direction now, you actually know there's a parking lot. Before, you would drive by, and if you didn't see this little opening, this little ingress, you wouldn't even know that there was a parking lot um, that, you know, holds over 100 cars. So... It'll, it'll be a nice improvement uh, to Monument Square, and um, I think when, when it's all said and done, it'll really be a beautiful, it'll, it'll be a beautiful eyepiece. Thank you, Mayor, for joining us today. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care and stay safe. We will. Lisa Baldelli-Hunt, Mayor of the City of Woonsocket, on our live line with our alternate Wednesday interview. Our program brought to you in part by Eminem. Matthew and Nell invite you to drop off your laundry at M&N Laundromat. We wash, dry, and fold when you drop off for only a dollar a pound. And of course, you can use our top loads, front loads, and super load washes and do it yourself. And we can accommodate small to oversized loads. Enjoy the flat screen TV and free Wi-Fi while you wait. 
commercial accounts are welcomed, including nursing homes and restaurants. We have the equipment to do the big jobs with washers of up to 100 pounds and dryers up to 50 pounds. M&N offers free pickup and delivery for seniors in the high-rises, nursing homes, and other housing complex. 10-pound minimum weight. Have a question? Call 769-9661. Husband and wife team of Matthew and Nell Vasnesian invite you to stop by our 389 Willow Street location. Matt is a Woonsocket native and proud to say M&N Laundromat is locally owned and operated. Before I hand the mic over to uh, Jeff, I want to remind you, uh, our other sponsor here, uh, Champs Liquor is for Keyway for the time being. Door service only to avoid any health issues. Mask and sanitizing being used on a daily basis. Open 9 to 9 Sundays, 12 to 6. And remember, our great specials, including on Tisdale Wine, continue at Champs Liquors for Keyway. All right, a few more moments left to the Upfront program. Jeff has uh, caught something on the uh, news breaking. Yeah, about uh, 15 minutes ago, Providence Journal broke a story on the state pension issues that we've lost nearly 10% of the value in the first quarter of this year, with 7% of that loss being in the last 30 days alone since the beginning of this COVID virus. Of course, that pays state retirees and teacher benefits as well. Comment from Seth Magaziner. $900 $900 million loss over three months isn't good news, but it could have been worse. All right. Thank you. And, uh, hey, thank you for being on the Upfront program. Um, and I think we learned a lot from uh, the mayor today. Tomorrow, Chris Boulay will comment more on that pension uh, pension, lo- pension plan loss in investments when we do the Upfront program then. Until then, good day. Weather coming up next on WNRI. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.